0: Hello again, everyone, and thank you for uh, checking back for this week's sermon. So glad to have the opportunity to open God's Word for you again, uh, even though it is through this format still. Uh, Hopefully, uh, we will have more news uh, in the coming weeks concerning when we can begin to uh, start planning to meet together. Hopefully, uh, you all received the email letter from the elders, which outlined some of the changes that we plan to make once we are able to meet again if you are not receiving uh the emails and would like to uh, please reach out to me or to allison schmucker and we will get you on that list it is very important that you are receiving our updates if you are affiliated with the church uh, because that's where the news will come from first uh, via our email updates so uh, please reach out. You can call me on the church line or you can email me at sam at nh-online.com and we will get that information passed along to Allison and we will get you set up to receive future emails. Uh, want to dive right in today. Uh, last week we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 8 and today I'm going to actually read verses 8 through 15. Uh, Just for context sake, uh, but by way of reminder, just uh, remember that uh, last week, the call from Paul to the church in Corinth was for a greater generosity and for them to fulfill a prior commitment they had made uh, to support the suffering Christians in Jerusalem. And uh, today we see the second half of that plea. So if you missed last week, uh, that's what Paul is talking about, and of course I will uh, give more of the context as we dive in. Uh, so let's begin with 2 Corinthians chapter eight, verses eight through fifteen. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at this present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness, as it is written, whoever, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Let us pray together. Lord, again, thank you so much for uh, Paul's letter, second letter to the church in Corinth, and uh, Lord, for this call uh, from you for us to be mindful of the importance of generosity among your people, Lord, you know the trials that we are facing as the pandemic continues, and Lord, I pray that as opportunity uh, affords itself, Lord, that your people uh, would embrace the opportunities we have to be generous to those in need, especially those who are of the household of faith. Lord, I pray for your help as I preach today. Lord, would you Uh, Give me guidance and clarity. Lord, I I pray for those who will hear this message, uh, that their hearts and minds would be opened, and Lord, that your spirit would be at work in their lives. Uh, Lord, I I pray that the fruit of this message would uh, be eternal glory for you and a greater joy for your people as we seek to follow you even more faithfully in this dark and dying world. Lord, I pray that you would truly help us to be the lights that we need to be. Uh, for the glory of your name and the spread of your gospel and i pray this in jesus name amen now again i mentioned uh before that last week uh, we found paul uh, really adding one more piece of the puzzle and calling the uh, churches and the Church in Corinth to repent of uh, former sin. Remember in chapter seven, he really complimented them for how they had uh, repented when confronted in their sin by his severe letter, uh, and uh, even in their care for Titus, who had delivered the letter and 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 spent time with them uh, following that. Um, and then in chapter 8, he, he continues this idea of them making right uh, the things that they had started before, and we saw last week that uh, way back in First Corinthians chapter 16, Paul had appealed to the church in Corinth uh, for them to to uh, take part in the care for the needs of the saints in Jerusalem who were facing uh, severe famine and persecution. So it was a time of need. And also last week we saw that the Apostle Paul really pointed to the churches in Macedonia as positive examples of those who had embraced this principle of generosity for the glory of God. Remember, they all of those churches were were in a very poor part of the world. It was northern Greece and uh, they were dirt poor. They didn't have much themselves, uh, but when given the opportunity and when they saw the need, uh, they gave what they did have uh, to help brothers and sisters that they did not know uh, during their time of need. And Paul points to this as as a glowing example of of what happens when the grace of God takes root in someone's heart, or in this case, a, a body of Christians' uh, hearts uh, when it comes to the need to, to give and to be generous. Uh, last week, as I was uh, wrapping up the sermon, I, I quoted R. Kent Hughes, and I want to read that to you again because it was a very powerful quote, and I think it's also very poignant as it relates to our passage today as well. He writes, there is no way to grow to spiritual maturity without committing your finances to the Lord. Jesus can have our money and not have our hearts, but he cannot have our hearts without our money. And again, his point is simple. When Jesus has our hearts, he has all of us. And uh, today, we see from our passage that the key to ensuring that Jesus has our hearts as well as our money is revealed in this passage. And also, he goes on to, 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 to tell us how we can be generous, in light of the Lord having our hearts. This morning, as I as I tackle these powerful verses, I'm going to do so under two headings. Uh, the first being God's grace displayed in the generosity of Jesus. And second, we're gonna look at some principles that Paul gives for greater generosity within the church. And again, it is my prayer that the Lord would uh, raise us up to greater generosity. Uh, I want to just make the appeal I make every week as I get started. If you have needs, uh, uh, please let us know. If you have a desire to meet needs, uh, as many of you have expressed, please let us know, and we will do our best to match uh, things up to where we are able to care well for one another. As we begin this morning, I want to start by looking at God's grace displayed in the generosity of Jesus. Let's look again at verses 8 and 9. Paul writes, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though, excuse me, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Now, Paul in verse eight is making the point that, that if the Corinthians follow the example of the Macedonians uh, in their love, are, are, it would reveal the genuineness of the Corinthians' love for God and for others. And then as he moves into, into verse nine, Paul focuses on even a greater example than that of the Macedonians. And that's uh, the example of Jesus Christ as, as being the ultimate picture of generosity now i mentioned before that the churches in macedonia were dirt poor and yet they gave sacrificially this is powerful i mentioned that last week it really is an amazing example that these believers were so captivated by their love for god uh, that they wanted to worship him well by by giving and caring for other poor christians in need But as we look to the example of the Son of God, we see an even greater example. Look again at the beginning of verse 9. Paul writes, "...for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor." The the powerful example in Jesus is is not that he was poor and gave anyway, but that he was rich and, and gave up the riches that he had in order and made himself poor in order to meet our needs and that need for salvation. As Paul writes of the riches that Jesus possessed and then him setting aside those riches, becoming poor for our sake, sakes, it's very important that we get what Paul is talking about here. Because if we don't, we cheapen the gospel and we miss, uh, we miss out on a key motivating factor for our own generosity What I mean here is is verse 9 is a powerful and a concise description of the gospel. And Paul isn't writing about material wealth and material poverty here as he talks about Jesus being rich and becoming poor for us. But but in fact, he is talking about a spiritual reality. Though he was rich, Paul is referencing the the pre-incarnate existence of the Son of God before Jesus was born, if you will. The, the Son of God is God, the, the second person of the Trinity. He is eternal and existed before the incarnation, uh, and, and before he, the incarnation, he possessed everything. He had all power, all authority, all glory, all majesty, all sovereignty, and, and, and so on these are are the riches of christ described here the the riches of being the the god the son they belong to him by virtue of his being god and for our sake he left all this behind in becoming a man in order to die to redeem us his poverty in what he temporarily set aside and his poverty is seen in what he temporarily set aside, and then also in, in what he took on in becoming man. Uh, Paul writes about this in Philippians chapter two verses five through eight. Let me read that to you. Paul writes to the Philippians, "Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's a parallel passage to what we see here in Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Paul is is describing all that Jesus set aside in in terms of aspects of his deity that that had to be put off while he put on human flesh, but but also that putting on of of human flesh was 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 an aspect of his poverty as well, because he took on the weaknesses of flesh, Not, not the weaknesses in the sense that he had a sin nature. We know that Jesus never sinned but weaknesses in the sense that that our all bodies encounter. Hunger, exhaustion, the the need to sleep. These are all weaknesses. These are all ways in which Jesus became even more poor in his mission to save us. The, The wealth that he gave up far surpasses any material wealth that we could ever imagine. In fact, it it actually, it sickens me when people make this about material wealth. Now, while on earth Jesus did not acquire material wealth, and if you read uh, about the description of the new Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, you'll see that the materials that we value most today, gold and, and precious jewels, these are nothing more than construction materials when God's kingdom comes into visible existence, when, when the new heaven and the new earth are, 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 are revealed to mankind. The, the point is simple. And if you read the book of, the Reve- of Revelation, you see that. The point is simple. God himself is the treasure. That is the, the, those are the riches, that, that relationship with God, that being in the presence of God. So, so it really makes me sick when, when people cheapen it by saying, oh, well, well what Jesus means here is by, by becoming poor and, and, and giving up his riches. You know, he was a king after all. He had to have lots of treasure. Well, yes, but it's spiritual treasure. In, in giving these things up, he did it so we would have everything we would ever want. Well, that's simply not compatible with even the example that, that we see from the churches in Macedonia, who quite honestly are, are far more or far more faithful than, than most of us today, brothers and sisters. Jesus became poor, setting aside key aspects of his deity so that we would become rich in Him and His salvation. We are rich in God, brothers and sisters. Everything else uh, becomes a tool that we should use for His honor and glory. And our richness is also found in the future glory of Jesus. Now, I stopped short in reading Philippians chapter 2 by leaving out uh, three key verses. I read uh, verses uh, 5 through 8, and really what I, I should have kept, or 5 through 9, and I, I should have, uh, excuse me, 5 through 8, and I should have kept reading all the way through verse 11. So let me read Philippians 2 5 through 11 in its entirety. Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus set aside certain aspects of his glory, certain aspects of his deity, his richness, but he has taken them up again. And the day is coming, brothers and sisters, when that glory will be revealed fully To all. And as such, we will also share with him in his triumph because we have taken part in his grace through faith, receiving the salvation of our souls. In his poverty, he supplies for us what he also receives in his richness and will receive, and that will be a glorious day. Brothers and sisters, we simply must take time to think on and delight in these truths that God has revealed about himself. The the generosity of God in the gospel is undeniable. How can we not worship God for this? How, How can we not seek to follow his example in our care for others? Brothers and sisters, do you understand that the only thing that you deserve from God is His wrath? Do you understand that God's plan of salvation flows from His loving kindness? It's not based on on anything lovely within us. He chose to save us. Do, Do you understand the scope of the salvation that you have received? every sin forgiven, you've been accepted by God, you are eternally secure, all of this is evidence of his generosity. Behold your God. This is the key, brothers and sisters, to God or Jesus, not just having our hearts, but having all of us if we take that time to, to reflect on the character of God, what He's done, what He says about Himself, what He promises to His people, and, and allow those truths to, to, to settle down into our minds and into our souls and, and change what we love and what we value and what we pursue in life, then the Lord will have all of us And as a result of such generosity, Paul calls the church to a greater generosity as well. And in so doing, he provides important principles for greater generosity within the church. I'm going to read verses 10 through 15. Paul writes, And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. Now in these six verses, we find five principles which are key to us cultivating a greater generosity in our own lives. And that first principle we see in verse 10, and that's generosity is a commitment that must be valued. Verse 10, Paul writes, And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. Now, again, this goes back to the context. Uh, In in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, Paul called the church in Corinth to to begin to weekly take a collection so that when he came, he he would be able to to either personally take it on to Jerusalem to meet the needs of the saints or through a through a letter of commendation, uh, recommend the the people from the church who would take it uh, to to Jerusalem to the suffering saints. Uh, but but they Paul wanted them to plan for and to to be faithful in doing this offering so that it could be quickly moved on to where it was needed in Jerusalem. And and we know that when Paul got there, that's not what happened. He he, he ran into to, uh, to opposition and ended up leaving and and then having to write a, a letter of rebuke to this church. And so uh, at the end of, of 1 Corinthians 16 to, to, to where we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, um, th- that offering for the, the saints in Jerusalem has kind of been left hanging. It's in limbo. They haven't, haven't done anything more with it. And, and so Paul is, is reminding them of, of a commitment they had made a year ago. And he's saying, listen, it is time for you to, to keep this commitment. Generosity must be a commitment that we value as followers of Christ. Listen, if the Lord truly has our hearts, we must commit ourselves to to, to cultivating a mindset where commitment to generosity is our priority. We, We need to not just see it as something that we ought to do, but we need to commit to doing it as the body of Christ. The second principle we see is, it is very much related to the, the first in verse 11, and that is that generosity is a practice we must pursue. Verse 11, Paul writes, "...so now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have." The the Corinthians started well. They they wanted to, to, to give. They had the desire to do so, but they never followed through. And in verse 11, brothers and sisters, we see that it's simply not enough to want to be generous. We must act on those desires. Putting generosity into practice requires intent on our part if we value generosity, then we should be active in our pursuit of opportunities to show that generosity to others. Now, the third principle is key, and I hope you are still listening well, and that is that generosity is measured by what we possess. Look with me at verse 12. Paul writes, For if the readiness is there, It is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Now, Paul is calling the Corinthians to give according to their means. Uh, Someone who may possess a lot, someone who is wealthy, could certainly give more than someone who possesses little. And Paul's point is simple. that that one person giving, the wealthy person who gives and is able to give more is not more generous than the person who has less to give simply based on the amount they gave, but but it's really based on on the amount they gave in relation to what they have. Jesus comments on this in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live in, to live on, excuse me. So you see that that the Lord marveled at at the fact that she was giving out of of her lack rather than out of the overflow that she had. And and Paul wants the, the, the Corinthians to know that their generosity, they should not be looking on a horizontal level. The poorest person in the church should not try to give more amount-wise than the richest person in the church. That simply would not be possible. But that person would be generous, as if God's sight. In God's sight, if they looked at what they had and chose to give in a meaningful way, a way that involves some level of sacrifice for the good of others. And so, it really comes down not into the overall amount that's given, but that gift in proportion to what we have. I think that's really freeing during, especially during those times when we lack financially. There, there are many people right now who are struggling and and want to be generous yet feel that they can't do what they once did. Well, understand that that's okay. Now, there, there may be some, maybe even many who, who can't afford to, to do anything financial right now, but there are other ways that we can show generosity. But for those who can, understand that, that God is not dishonored because your amount may be less than it was when, 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 when things were going great. He, he's looking at our hearts and our desire to honor Him in that gift. So make sure the Lord has your heart and then don't, don't, don't trouble yourself over an amount that may be less than what you had originally wanted to do. But, but give in a way that reveals that that you're giving for the glory of God. Fourthly, we see that generosity must be practiced in humility, verses 13 and 14. Paul continues, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. Now, at that time, it was for the Christians in Jerusalem that, that, that the offering was being taken, and, and they certainly were not in a, in a financial situation to, to really uh, be able to, to, to reciprocate financially to the Corinthians. But that's not really the, the point that Paul is getting at here. But the point is simple. At this point, it's the, it's the Jews and the Christian Jews in, in Jerusalem who are in need. But, but that doesn't mean that at some point that the Corinthians themselves may not be in need as well. Now, if you know anything at all about the history of the early church, uh, to be persecuted, whether it be uh, physically or even financially, what well, was pretty common back then. It often came at a cost to follow Christ. And so there's a very real possibility that at some point the Corinthians themselves might find themselves in need of the generosity of other believers. And so the call to give in this case, to to, to care for uh, suffering saints in Jerusalem who, who, who had nothing should not have been a source of pride for the Corinthians, but they have, should have been giving out, out of a, an obligation and an act of, of love, understanding that so, at some point, they too might need that same type of generosity in their lives as well. Also, it's important that you understand that it was from the Jewish Christians that the Corinthians received the gospel. Paul was Jewish and, and he is the one who brought the gospel to Corinth and helped establish the church in Corinth. And so Paul, in a sense, too, is also reminding them, listen, you have received abundantly from the Jews. You've received the gospel. And I think the point here is pretty clear. We give to glorify God and to love others well. A poor Christian is not necessarily any less faithful than a rich one. Someone who has an abundance today might be in need tomorrow. And as a result, generosity must be practiced in humility and love. We, we, we should not look in a, in a prideful, pitying way on those we are seeking to care for, but, but we reach out in love, recognizing that we have the opportunity to fulfill the law of God, that we love our neighbors as ourselves. The the fifth principle we see here is that generosity is a form of God's provision, and we see that in verse 15. Paul concludes, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Now, this seems kind of like one of those out there quotes, where'd Paul get this? Well, I'll tell you. he got it from Exodus chapter 16, verse 18, which is found in in the description uh, when uh, Moses has led the people out of the promised land. They are, are traveling and they are hungry and they are grumbling against God and, and God decides to send manna from heaven. And uh, Exodus 16 verse 18 is a description of what happened uh, that, that first day, or that morning they woke up and they, and they found the manna set before them by God. Now you remember the expectations. God says, "Go out and uh, when you see the manna, gather enough for yourself for this day. Except for on the day before the Sabbath, they were to gather enough for two days for each person. Uh, but but the the point was that they were to trust God each day um, for His provision. And after this first day, when they went out and and did what God said." Uh, the, basically, the result was what we saw there in verse 15. Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. They, they had all they needed. In providing daily for the people, God had given them specific instructions that, would, that were designed to build their faith in His provision for them. He made it clear that they were not to hoard what he had supplied for them. God is still the one who provides for his people. And he does so in a variety of ways. And a key one of those ways is the generosity of his people, the church. Our property, we should should view it like manna. It does us no good to hoard those things that we could be using for God's glory. So we should be sharing what we have, being generous with what we have for the good of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So those five principles of uh, of, of of generosity are the the importance of, of generous giving. It's it's a commitment that we must value. It's a practice that we must pursue it is measured by what we possess and it must be practiced in humility and finally we must remember that it is a form of God's provision it's a way in which God uses us in people's lives for his glory generosity among the people of God Really have three points of, of, of application that I want to encourage you with as we close today. The the first one I think is key because everything else in our lives really should flow from this. We must prioritize coming to know God through his word and worshiping him. It, it, it's key that we look to his word, what he said about himself, himself, that we take time uh, daily to to, to read about him and and reflect on on all that he says about himself and allow that to to really increase our love for God and our desire to honor him in all that we do. You know, even verse 9, Paul writes about what Jesus did, he, he, he was rich and, and he became poor so that we might become rich. But even in reflecting on that, there, there's so much that we take away about the character of God. Think of all Jesus sacrificed just in becoming human, not to mention when he died on the cross bearing the wrath of God for our sins, That is worthy of deep meditation and reflection by the people of God. You will never regret having spent a significant amount of time simply before the Word of God chewing on a truth that you read there that relates to God and His character. And you really should make a habit of doing that. Each of us should, dear ones. Because as we do, then, then generosity won't just be something that we prioritize and that we commit to and we value and all those things. It will become a part of the overflow of our personal walk with the Lord. We brings us to our second point, that we, we recognize that generosity is a quality that we must all possess. And then finally, we need to be looking for opportunities, pursuing opportunities to show generosity and love and even proclaim the gospel in the midst of this pandemic. Way back at the very first video message that we did, um, I pointed out or directed you to the conversation that I had with uh, one of the mail carriers here in Marietta, Marietta where he said, this is our time, our christian's time to shine and generosity must be uh, an aspect of how we shine brothers and sisters so may we truly delight ourselves in the generosity of our lord and may we prioritize the generosity that is fitting of the people of god moving forward during this pandemic and even when it's all over with remember if you're not on our email list and would like to be please reach out to me And if you have any need at all, please reach out and we'll be happy to do all we can to serve you. Let me close in prayer. And again, thank you so much for tuning in. Oh Lord, that we would be a people who spends more time reflecting on uh, what you have said about yourself in your word than we do uh, the trivial things that, that draw our attention so easily away. Uh, Lord, would you help us as your people to to recognize that our greatest need is to know you. We need to know you. We we need to be secure in you. We we need to uh, rest in you. And we need to worship you. And to worship you rightly, we need to know you as you have revealed yourself in your word. So help us, Lord, to be a people who who invest our time in, in learning more and more about the God who saved us. Help us, Lord, to be a people who invest our resources into glorifying you in all that we do. You own our lives. You own our possessions. May we use them all for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.